Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings NFL Insider with the former Vikings general manager. We want to talk about the schedule, about Patrick Mahomes and quarterback contracts, about quarterback imbalance between the two conferences and where Kirk Cousins might stand in the NFC and what moves might be available to the Vikings here in what Jeff calls the third phase of free agency. We're talking on Friday morning, May 12th. I'm about to head out to a Vikings practice. Of course, the NFL always makes news. Uh, Best way to listen to this show or any show at talknorth.com that you like, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's easy. Thanks to our longtime producer, Brandon Morton, and our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Jeff, let's start with the schedule. Uh, Looks to me like projects to be tough early. Maybe fairly easy late, but what really jumped out at me is that with Lamar Jackson staying in Baltimore, with Aaron Rodgers going from the NFC to the AFC, the quarterback imbalance between the two conferences is ridiculous. The Vikings are going to play uh, 12 games against NFC teams this year. Only one right now has a superstar quarterback, and that's Jalen Hurts. They're going to play five games against AFC teams. Four of the five AFC teams are going to play have superstar quarterbacks, including Mahomes and Burrow. Uh, the imbal—I've never seen the imbal- an imbalance like this. Yeah, it is interesting, and and you think about where does Kirk Cousins land in the hierarchy of NFC quarterbacks? And as you said, he might be second to Jalen Hurts, and he was a Pro Bowl quarterback last year. Cousins was, and and so everybody trying to chase him out of town, maybe not quite so fast. That the fact that he's still is, is one of the better quarterbacks in this conference. But as you said, the, the imbalance is kind of interesting and unusual. I, I remember when it was really just the opposite for many, many years when there were so many top quarterbacks in the NFC. But but now with Rodgers and, and Jackson staying in Baltimore and Rodgers goes to the Jets and guys like Mahomes and, and Burrow and Herbert and all those guys that they're going to see this year. <laughs> and so it's going to be a, a really interesting season. But but certainly that, that quarterback situation is fascinating to take a look at. And fortunately for the Vikings, they could just start with a, a team that has maybe one of the, the most uncertain quarterback situations in the league with Tampa Bay, with Baker Mayfield coming in there. And complete competing with Kyle Trask after Brady retires, playing, playing them here, I think that Kevin O'Connell has to be very happy with that opening game. Maybe not so happy with a short week going to Philadelphia in week two, however. No, very good point. And of course, they had a similar situation last year, playing short, playing in uh, Philadelphia in week two, and did not go very well. And it and hey, it wasn't any indication of where the season was headed, but it was an indication of how good Philly was going to be. But yeah, you know, easy start with Tampa, then. Philadelphia, Chargers, Carolina, Kansas City, Chicago, San Francisco, that five-game stretch, if they find a way to survive that point, uh, the rest of the schedule, unless Green Bay or Chicago or somebody like that surprises us, the rest of the schedule is very gettable, at least it looks like it right now. Yeah, and, and I always refer to to what, what Bud Grant, the great Hall of Fame Viking coach, used to say when, when the schedule came out. He said, it's not who you play, but when you play them. At, which is which is so true uh, on so many levels because is is a team that when you face them are they going to be healthy are they going to be on a roll are they going to be struggling so you you just never know how it's going to turn out last season when the schedule came out and we saw oh they got the Giants and the Jets at home that that sounded easy those neither of those games were easy as it turned out 
because both of those teams had been bad the year before. So you just have to wait to see how it plays out. But I agree with you. I think the first seven games certainly set up as, as difficult. And and I guess you throw Green Bay at Green Bay in there as the eighth game, and you say, yeah, that first half of the season, if they can come out of that five and three, uh, they're in great shape. And out of those first seven games, come out four and three because they're facing so many top teams, Philadelphia, the Chargers, Kansas City, San Francisco. Fortunately, they've got the Chiefs and the 49ers at home, but neither of those games are going to be easy. We know that. They go to Carolina in that first seven weeks, and and you know Adam Thielen's going to have the Panthers fired up for that game. So it, it's going to be an interesting schedule. I think it's also there, there's no three in a row on the road. There's no three in a row at home that we've seen in the past, and I think that's good to have that that variance of home and away. I, I do think certainly when you when you consider who are the top teams in the NFC North and you think the Vikings and the Lions playing two of the last three weeks, I, I don't like playing a team twice in three weeks. When you've got a 17-game schedule, 18 weeks, you should be able to figure it out that you don't have the two division rivals probably competing for the division title to play twice in the last three weeks of the season. I, I think that's that that was not well done by the league. Yeah, I agree with you. I will also say this thing, this about this schedule. Green at Green Bay, October 29th. Might be a little sloppy. It's probably not going to be frigid. Uh, with at Detroit as a road game over the winter and a dome. There's only and at Vegas, December 10th. There's really only one likely bad weather game on the schedule. That's at Cincinnati, December 17th. And you know Cincinnati isn't. Uh, as frigid as Green Bay or Minnesota. Uh, to me, that's a big win. You are not looking at either playing extreme heat early in the season or extreme cold late in the season. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Jim, in that regard. And and that was one of the things definitely noticeable about the schedule, not having the cold weather games that they finished last season at Green Bay at, at Chicago late in the season. I think that's a, a real benefit. At Cincinnati is iffy. Even at Denver, November nineteenth, you could get a snowstorm in at that time of year in Denver. So that that's a and that's a night game. So that could be a little chilly, could be a little snowy. But I, I think the other interesting thing that the Vikings have five primetime games, and that tells tells us that the that the league office thinks the Vikings are going to be certainly a, a contending team, a competitive team coming off the thirteen win season. the The other thing that struck me. Very much, Jim. The Detroit Lions, I know that they're everybody's kind of favorite as we go into the predicting season and all that based on what happened at the end of last season, even though people forget they got drilled in Carolina, which really kind of knocked them out of the playoffs more or less. But for the Detroit Lions to open at Kansas City, I was really surprised that that the league did that. And to me, you're putting a little too much, too many eggs in the Lions basket here a little bit early to figure that they can be competitive with the Chiefs on a Thursday night coming off a Super Bowl. I was really surprised. I expected Philadelphia, who Kansas City plays at home, or Cincinnati to be their opponent in that opener. So I'm I'm very surprised that it was Detroit. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I always say this. It's easier to go from bad to average than it is to go from average to really good. Uh, yes, the Lions have improved a lot. Uh, I think that they, 
I don't know, with the, the gambling suspensions, with a really iffy, some iffy choices early in their last draft, I, I mean, I, I think they're competitive. I don't, I don't necessarily see them making a huge leap. Yeah, I, I think that they'll be probably a, a 9-10 win season t- type team. And I think the Vikings are, are right in that ballpark, too, with, with a, a more difficult schedule. Even though we know there's some soft parts of the schedule in the middle of the season, I think the Vikings could easily win 10, 11, maybe even 12 games with this schedule. It, it is a little tougher from the standpoint. Last year, they had nine home games, really only seven true road games, and they had the game in London. So that was a very advantageous schedule. This year, there's eight home games, nine road games, makes it a little more difficult, and and some of those primetime games, too. So it's going to be, I I think, a a good schedule, fun schedule for the fans when you've got teams such as Kansas City coming in here, San Francisco, even the Chargers with Herbert, and, of course, the division rivals. So I think it'll be a a fun schedule for the the fans and, and very challenging for the team, obviously. And then we'll see how, how it all plays out in the final analysis. But, but again, Detroit, eh, I'm not real fired up about that opening game. That opening game is supposed to really grab you. I know. <laughs> and uh, I, I think part of the reason that maybe they didn't want to go with Buffalo, which is another team that Kansas City plays at home, is that Buffalo opened last year uh, on the Thursday night game at the Rams and, and drilled the Rams in that game. But as I said, why would you not – have a rematch of the Super Bowl in the first game of the season. That, that, that was a no-brainer. I think they missed the boat on. I agree. Any, right, frankly, almost anybody other than, than Detroit would have been, you know, any good team other than Detroit might have been a better matchup. I don't, I don't really get it. Hey, a quick note. Uh, we're recording this on Friday morning, May 12th. If you hear this in time, Friday night, May 12th, 530 to 630 at the Loon Cafe, downtown Minneapolis, uh, a few steps from Target Field. We're going to run our baseball show at talknorth.com. Uh, that's a chin music show with Roy Smalley, LaBelle Neal, and myself. We're going to give some stuff away. We'll take live questions. Drop by if you are either uh, working downtown or on your way to the ballpark. Just come in, grab a beer, listen, ask a question. We do appreciate it. It's always fun to do the live shows and meet, meet our listeners. Uh, for today with the Jeff with Jeff Diamond Show, let's thank our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I'm always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC and my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell, and their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super-friendly premium team. Check out their great website, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. You will find 0.9% APR on GMC Sierra 1500 models, 2.49% APR on Buick Encore GXs, plus a $750 purchase allowance, 1.9% APR on GMC Terrains, plus a $750 purchase allowance, and no monthly payments for 90 days on all these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Let's get into the Mahomes contract. We've seen a fascinating thing, and it almost reminds me of when Kirby Puckett, uh, you know, the twins were debating, God, can we afford to pay Kirby Puckett? 
you know, five, six million dollars a year when he's like one of the best players in the game. And he's already won a couple of World Series for us. And they sign him to a record breaking, you know, five year, 30 million dollar deal. And like the next day, uh, Ryan Sandberg signed and blew that out of the water. And a handful of years later, you were paying utility infielders that much money. You know, with Mahomes, he signs what sounded like an incredible, like a half a billion dollar deal. How can anybody do that? And now he doesn't feel like one of the, the truly highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. No, he's actually ranked seventh now. Wow! Uh, when you when you've got Lamar Jackson leading leading the pack at, at fifty two million a year, Jalen Hurts right behind him, fifty one, Rodgers at fifty, Russell Wilson, Kyra Murray, and Deshaun Watson are all ahead of the forty five million a year that Mahomes is making, and he will soon be dropping to ninth when Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert get their new contracts. At, as they're eligible for extensions this year, and they'll get signed to extensions. So I think that certainly Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to say someone's underpaid when they're making $45 million a year, but that's really where he finds himself in an exploding quarterback market. And so he's 16% below Lamar Jackson right now. I'm sure that the Chiefs are going to address that. Clark Hunt, their, their owner, has already said that, that we're going to have to do something here, and, and we – it's going to be hard to ever pay him enough to make it what he's worth to this franchise. But I, I think that they'll find a way to do it. I think the big question is going to be, first of all, I think Mahomes and his agents, uh, Lee Steinberg and Chris Cabot, I think they will wait until the uh, Burrow and Herbert deals are done, probably later this summer, early training camp. And then, and then they'll have serious discussions with the Chiefs on Mahomes I think that Patrick is is probably of a mindset that, that he's not going to go for the last dollar. Maybe he won't be quite as generous as Brady was with, with, with New England in those days, but I, I think that, that he'll find a way to, to make a few million more than whoever the highest guy is. So maybe he comes in, maybe Burrow and Herbert come in 53 or 54, and Mahomes comes in at 56 or 57 million a year. But they're going to renegotiate that deal. And I actually said... Jim, when he signed that contract, and I never, I never believed in long-term deals, ten-year deals. I think it just gets teams and players in trouble. It just sets up an acrimonious potential renegotiation or a situation such as the Wild had with with Suter and Parisi, where all of a sudden they're not playing up to that contract, and you have a bunch of dead money against the contract. And and that's the case, for example, with a lot of players around the league now. Aaron Rodgers on Green Bay's cap is forty million. Tom Brady on the on the Buccaneers cap is around thirty plus million. So the long term deals, ten year deals, they they really don't make a lot of sense. And I and I said when Mahomes signed that deal, I said he's going to renegotiate this contract or restructure probably five times in ten years. And it was really a twelve year deal because he had two years left on his rookie deal when he signed it. So Mahomes is definitely going to get going to get a new deal. It's going to happen. Be, probably before the season, and it's it's well deserved because he's the best player in the league and should be the highest paid player, the highest paid quarterback. True, and he's also making more money than he could possibly spend in his lifetime. Uh, and I think, I hope, and think he's of the mindset. Of course, you want to get you make good deals, and of course, you you know you have agents and you belong to a players association that wants to keep driving the price up and you're in a brotherhood of quarterbacks. Everybody wants to, you know, I mean, I get all the financial incentives, even once you have all more money than you could possibly spend. I also hope and think that he is of the mindset 
that if he plays this all right, and if he, you know, if he does business with the Chiefs in a way that they can afford to give him good players to work with, he could end up winning a bunch of Super Bowls and maybe being thought of as the greatest quarterback of all time. And I, and I think that he will have that mindset. As I said, I think he still wants to be the top guy, but I, I don't. I don't think he's going to say, "Hey, I got to make sixty-five million a year and make ten million more than anybody else, or whatever." I, I think he realizes, as Brady did, that if I have a winning team, if I have a Super Bowl team, I'm going to make more money off the field to make up for whatever I'm short on this contract of what I could have gotten. And that's why I think he will take less money. He knows he can make it up in endorsements. And I think also that he is of the mindset that, I, that he wants to win. He's a, he's a great competitor. And as you said, he, he, I'm sure, believes that he can go out and win five, six, seven, maybe not as many Super Bowls as Brady, but close to it, and be in that conversation for the best player, best quarterback of all time. But he's got to have a good team around him. And I think he will take that approach. And I think Lee Steinberg also will take that approach because Lee's, Lee's a smart agent. He understands that too. Yeah, Lee's probably the first big-time football agent I ever dealt with uh, You know, when I was just starting to cover the NFL and he was negotiating Troy Aikman's rookie contract and he pulled up in a little DW bug uh, at training camp with uh, Aikman folded inside there. Lee always wanted to portray the kind of the common man approach, but they're still dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars. So you can't ever avoid that. <laughs> that, that is definitely true. And, and so I think it'll, it'll be a, certainly a great deal, but I think Patrick will, will play it smart and try to do the right thing for the Chiefs and for he and his family too. And, and, and as we said, he's going to be okay either way. <laughs> yes, no doubt. Uh, we're going to do one more segment here today. Uh, thanks for listening. We also do the Viking Update show on this network. Uh, we, also have Jeff, uh, we also have John Millay on preps, John Krasinski on the Timberwolves, uh, we have Dave Lee, Mike Grimm, Joe Anderson, outdoor content, all kinds of hockey content. Check it all out at talknorth.com. We do appreciate you listening and helping us grow this network. Uh, for today, let's ask what happens next in free agency. We are still here in mid-May. There's some key dates coming up. Still, still a lot of things that could happen this summer. Yeah, there definitely is. And kind of this, what we like to call maybe the third phase of free agency after the draft when teams see whatever potential holes or, or needs that they have. And I think when you talk about the Vikings team, I, I think they could still use some help with, with the pass rush and, and a corner. And I think there's some really interesting players that maybe could be had in bargain deals. Uh, and it's just what happens. They both played in Baltimore last year. I'm talking about Justin Houston, their edge rusher, and Marcus Peters, one, a, a really good corner. And, and both of them are still unsigned. Justin Houston had nine and a half sacks last year playing basically as, as kind of a situational pass rusher type. He's 34 years old, but the guy doesn't seem to age. And with the uncertainty was the Darius Smith situation on top of Daniil Hunter's contract situation, even though I, I expect Daniil not to be here or, or Darius not to be here, but Daniil to get, a, get an extension done. And then they add Marcus Davenport. Well, he's been hurt and, and he's a little iffy. So DJ Wanham, they, they're expecting improvement from. I think I think a Justin Houston could play a, a nice role for this team. He made three and a half million dollars last year in Baltimore. And as I said, nine and a half sacks for that. I think he'd be a great signing once they free up some money either 
through letting Zadarius go or Dalvin Cook, uh, trading him or releasing him or whatever they're going to do in that regard. Uh, Marcus Peters made a lot more money last year. I think he was a $10 million or more corner and still an effective player. I think he could be a guy that could really help this, help this team too. Uh, there, there still is a lot of, I think, uncertainty at that corner spot. And, and you're counting on guys like Andrew Booth Jr. and Caleb Evans to come back, be healthy. Uh, Byron Murphy had injuries last year in Arizona. He's being counted on to be a, a number one corner. Well, we'll see how, how effective he can be. He's a talented guy. All these guys are talented, but can they stay healthy? Can they stay on the field? Can they do well in Brian Flores' new system? So I think there's still room for the Vikings to add a couple pieces to the pie here in this last phase of free agency. And I also think, Jim, before we kind of sign off here today, I want to make, just make a comment about Joe Cap passing away. Oh, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. This week. And Joe Cap, I think, was really one of the larger-than-life personalities for that Vikings team in the 60s that went to the first Super Bowl. He, I remember watching him a lot growing up and, and just kind of his fearless play as a runner and didn't have the best arm in the league through wobbly balls, but they got to, the, to where they were supposed to go. Like seven touchdown passes against ball against the Baltimore Colts in 1969, and I I, I was at Met Stadium, Jim, on that cold day in the uh, I guess then it was still called the NFL Championship because the two leagues had had merged, but they were still called the AFL and the NFL. And when Joe Cab ran over the Browns All-Pro linebacker Jim Houston in that title game, that kind of set the tone for the game that the Vikings dominated and sent the team to the first Super Bowl. And I, I met Joe several times during my years working with the Vikings after his retirement. And, and he was always very friendly, had great stories to tell. And of course, he coined that, that great catchphrase, 40 for 60, the 40 men playing for each other for 60 minutes. And, and he's just a, another great, great person and player and personality from those Vikings teams in the in the in the late sixties, early seventies, uh, coached by Bud, quarterback by Joe Cap, and later by Tarkenden, and and purple people people eaters on defense, and guys like Paul Krause in the secondary, just uh, fun teams to watch for so many years. Yeah, I got a chance to spend some time with Joe. Uh, went to his hotel room when the Super Bowl was here the last time, and had a nice long talk. And you know, he was. He was fighting against Alzheimer at the t- Alzheimer's at the time, but he still had some great stories to tell. And uh, man, what a, what a great character. And what, a, what a great throwback, you know, to the time when the, when NFL quarterbacks played like linebackers. Yeah, definitely true. And, and a lot of people forget that, that he was the coach of Cal on the famous Stanford yep. band play, <laughs> the great kickoff return to beat Stanford, that, that, that was Joe's team. He coached at Cal and kind of a, a homecoming after he had played at Cal to become the coach there. So uh, again, condolences to his family and, and just a a great personality in Vikings history. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for, for bringing that up. Uh, Good, good stuff. Good memories about a a great character in Vikings history. So thanks to Jeff. Thanks to Brandon. Thanks to everyone who listens. We'll, we'll talk to you again next week.